now, here we are again. This is Wow What a Show, and I greet you in the name of Jesus Christ. It may be morning, noon, or evening where you are in the world, but wherever you are, you know the heavens do declare His glory. The firmament shows forth His handwork. Night unto night, I mean day unto day, utter speech, I'm sorry, and night unto night shows forth His knowledge. He is Almighty God, always doing what He does. And that is upholding the world by the power of his word and providing for the entire world, every inhabitant, those things that are provided in the natural creation. God is good. He lets the rain fall on the just and the unjust. We are here this evening and we're so happy that you are here as well. As per our last week, um, hi there. Our co-host is here, and we're so pleased to uh, have her back. We had such a good session last week on um, uh, parenting, well, mothering, as a matter of fact. It was mothering, and uh, I gained gained so much from that. I um, am myself surprised about some things that I heard and learned, and so very, very... um, excited to hear again the direction that we will be going this evening. So wherever you are, I ask that you just relax, enjoy, share your comments with us. We really do want to hear them. And um, we do want to have a conversation, a discussion about everything that we are presenting. So always feel free to do such a thing with us, okay? So good evening, my dear Miss Anna. How are you today? I am doing well. How are you? I am well as well. And I would ask yeah. that again you speak right into you. Okay, it's my volume. For yes. some reason it's okay. down. You're good. You're good. Right. Um and I, I didn't quite say the whole thing. I'll, I forget now because I'm so familiar with this audience. But my name is Phyllis, and I am the uh, host of our our podcast, per usual. And um, our our guest this evening, who will be the host, I'm going to sit back and listen as well, is Miss Anna Kane. And so I'm going to allow her to to uh, begin. Right now, okay. I was going to do a little recap, but I, uh, I think okay. I'll leave that. I'll leave that to you. <laughs> Go right ahead. Okay. Well, good evening, everybody. It's good to be here tonight, and I am glad, Phyllis, that you've invited me back. I pray that the Lord would really just come and encourage us um, as His children, and specifically as everybody uh, is a child. And we've all had a mother. And so we're we're just praying that God would come and meet us where we are and and teach us about what we can know about motherhood and what it is in his sight, what it is not, and how we can move forward in it. So let's pray. God, I thank you, Lord Jesus. Um, Thank you for calling us, Lord, because we wouldn't be sitting here proclaiming you in any way if you hadn't called us first. As I think about the attributes of a mother, I think about the fact that they so reflect so much of who you are and how you did, you know, Christ condescended to men of low degree and you came and 
lived among us, showed us that we were in need of reconciliation, where we had walked away out of disobedience. And Lord, you called us back. And those of us who said, yes, you've made your abode within us. And that's mm. more amazing than we really know. And sometimes when I'm talking or thinking, I just say, I'm doing all this because I'm a created being. And somewhere in the miraculous power of God, he says that we, he dwells in us. He made his creation and now he dwells in that creation. And some of what I'm thinking tonight, Lord Jesus, may bring that to the forefront. So I just thank you for it. All that you are in your amazingness and your awesomeness, we are as creations of you. And so please bring your truth to light and give us understanding and good application. And we just trust that you would make this a good uh, time for us all. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We do pray. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Well, this talk is a continuation of last week. And last week's talk is really a continuation of a brief moment in time when I joined you uh, and some young ladies many years ago and talking about motherhood and looking at it in light of it being a career. And so the name of that moment in time, that, that exposition was Welcome to Your New Career. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, maybe that's the thing. Uh, we're not looking at this in, in such a way that it really heightens and brings a lot of life to the arena of motherhood. And so as we continue, last week we really, I, I will recap a little bit here at the beginning, but really I just talked a, a bit about motherhood and I, I gleaned from a couple of examples. Uh, my own mother uh, talked a bit about what I saw in my experience and a little bit about what's been written about motherhood. I, uh, through Elizabeth Elliot, I looked at just uh, an example of somebody wanting to step into the arena of motherhood and how God uh, responded to her and how she then responded to her child. And so we're going to just recap a little bit of that. But tonight, I'm hoping to talk a little bit more about what it's not without belaboring that and then talking a little bit about what we didn't really highlight last time. And that's more specifically what it is, what it can be. Um, and then we're going to move on to just highlighting again, um, you know, what a wonder and a privilege it is to be a mother. And I will close out uh, this evening with some questions that we can all ponder in our hearts. And it may sound like um, I'm looking at motherhood in, in light of trying to convince us to embrace it. Uh, one of those reasons it could be because there is so much I think is overtly and maybe sort of inadvertently against carrying the torch of motherhood, you know, having less children, having no children, or looking at children and, you know, passing on our responsibilities and, and sort of sharing them. Lots of people look at, hey, it takes a village to raise a child, but I think sometimes that's a go-to for I don't have to do as much as I think I have to do. Maybe I can share this responsibility. I'm trying to bring us back to a place where we can look at this as one of the most meaningful expressions of who God made us to be. We've got man, we've got woman, okay? That, that's the only two people God put on the earth. And so one of them 
women have been privileged with carrying the child that God actually creates through both the man and the woman. But I, I kind of want to sort of stand in a place of encouragement and defense of it, just because I know there are so many, again, overt and sort of um, not so overt shots at motherhood. And I'll tell you, I did mention last time, and I won't mention her name again, but I mentioned somebody who <laughs> is pretty popular on TV, but I, I, I was envisioning she and many other women who have the, the forefront, they get the, the voice to the, the, the masses. And of course, they're not going to belittle motherhood in and of itself, but sometimes they say so many other things that actually make women feel like only motherhood or there's an, there's an other in living that I say inadvertently that's what you're doing. And so the women who find themselves in an humble state and maybe motherhood is the one thing they have are often wishing for another status in life. And so if it sounds a little bit like I'm sort of defending and wanting to lift that status back up a bit, it's probably because I am. But many of us listening tonight have this in common and everybody listening tonight knows a mother. And so in a, in a sense, we can all come together and at least gain something, even if we're not trying to defend that particular status for women. Let me go back and read a few things. And I will actually highlight a bit about um, looking at motherhood in a, from a practical point of view, just a few points there, and looking at motherhood from a point of sanctification, a way that God uses um, motherhood to bring us to where he wants us to be. So as I reflect again on just some points that Elizabeth Elliot, who is not with us anymore, but she was a woman who only had one child she was the wife of a missionary who was martyred, and she went on to have several grandchildren. But when you listen to Miss Elizabeth Elliot, you understand that she also had a really good perspective on motherhood from her own mother and grandmother. And so she's pretty rich in what she shares about motherhood, despite the fact that, again, she was only the mother of one daughter. Some of what she says, and I've mixed in a little bit of my own thoughts with hers, uh, we'll, we'll go back and remind ourselves that she says a woman gives herself for the life of her child and she knows that in the deepest regions of her being that it's the very self-giving for which she is made. And next to that, I put the word selah, that word you see sometimes in the Bible that reminds us to meditate on a, an idea or a truth. The reason I start with that is because when I read it last time, I really didn't expound on what that could mean. But I would like for all of us to think about that. Is that why I'm made <laughs> to have babies? <laughs> you know, that's how we would say that. But what I would like to take us to is when God made man and woman and he set forth the command to then populate the earth. Absolutely. Man and woman actually had a function. So before we became sophisticated, before we became, you know, concerned with identity, God gave us the identity. Adam functioned as God told him to when God made him. When he saw that Adam was alone and company is God's idea, okay, <laughs> being company within himself, he gave him that company and gave him the help me. And so while they may have experienced some of the exact same things we experience in relationship or, or other things, one of their functions 
if that sounds a little mechanical, <laughs> forgive me, but it was to populate the earth and to procreate <laughs> and to create other people made in God's image. And so somewhere deep inside, because we've been given these faculties, that these abilities, we do recognize, no matter how the world sort of puts a spin on the way that sounds, that that's one of our functions. It's not a belittling of who we are and our physicality. It's just who we are. So that's something to think about. Elliot goes on to say that motherhood is a womanly calling and obedience to that command means self-giving. I agree. Disobedience will then put us at odds, I say, with some of the voices that the age brings to us. Again, I repeat from last week, some things we hear ourselves say, particularly amongst women, is, well, I come first now in this modern age. We say, I have to think of myself. We say, body is mine. This is my body and it's mine alone. Nobody can tell me what to do with it. Okay. We say, I'm liberated from, and many times women will buy into the fact that we're only, you know, liberated from a patriarchal rule from yesteryear, whatever year came before us, it's all patriarchal back then. And so now we're liberated from that. It's, that's a thought. All these things are worth conversation. But in doing this, sometimes we are now pushing away from one of the reasons why we are actually put on this earth. And I say one of them, okay? <laughs> so to, don't take that too hard so soon. Another thing we say is that I shouldn't have to sacrifice everything for something I don't want for somebody else or anything. I just shouldn't have to. Now, if we listen to the voices that say it's important to find ourselves as women, it's important to express myself as woman and assert myself in the world, okay? And if we put an inappropriate amount of weight on these ideas, maybe everybody, mothering would take the lesser occupation. It'll look like a lesser thing to do. It'll be the lesser preoccupation that we have in life. That is mothering, okay? Um, it'll look, it look as if that's not what gives us identity. That's one of our buzzwords of the times. Uh, it won't give us meaningfulness alone. Lots of women do understand that, yes, I can incorporate that into my goals and objectives for life. And one of them is motherhood, but not only, okay? It is maybe nothing that causes us to have individual expression, but that it is rather limiting and that motherhood pulls one back in life. And may I just interject only because it so intricately, you know, correlates with motherhood. And that is the issue of not having a baby, choosing not having the baby, having an abortion, something like that. Really, if you talk to a lot of young girls, I can't speak for anybody else, but a lot of young girls, that is their very excuse for not wanting to enter into motherhood. It will limit them. It will hold them back in some way outside of maybe shame or fear, that is probably near the top of the list. What this will not allow me to be, what it will not allow me to do.
So then the idea again, that this is my body and I will then control what I do. And this is not a judgment. It's just a, 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 you know, a, a pointing to, this is what we've come to. <clears throat> this is what we're saying. This is what we're being told is acceptable. But let's look at that in a, a different light. All of that is worth conversation. And in certain contexts, all of that can be true. But let's move a little further. I found that motherhood becomes the means through which I actually learn more about myself than any other occupation in life. Being a doctor is limited. You're only a professor in a certain area. You have a skill set. You may have many things you can do or you're a musician, but they themselves are limiting. Motherhood, in my opinion, opens us up to a variety of things um, of which other occupations may not open us up to. I'm positioned through motherhood to assess more clearly how I do the things that we say matter to us by the time we get to the end of our life, like how I love, what my motives are and have been, my temperament with other people, how do I treat people, how have I treated them for the past 50 something years? <laughs> the fruit of the spirit in my life for Christians or the lack thereof of the fruit of the spirit in my life. Meaningfulness in life. Again, through motherhood, I'm positioned to assess more clearly these things. Relationships, hurt, forgiveness, and grace and under that grace if you're a mother you know by extension there's mercy more clearly it gives me a chance to assess my pride and i think i'll talk about that a little later because sometimes your children can give you a degree of pride or over them you can develop pride or comparing them or positioning them in the world around you and what you have or don't have and do and don't do Pride becomes an issue rather quickly. <laughs> a host of other aspects of my being that come into my life or are heightened by the experience of motherhood. I'm given the opportunity to better assess them in light of having to mother another human being. And ironically, I say the self-giving that must follow caring for a child, it actually makes our bodies more like vessels to be shared rather than vessels for anatomy to claim as merely our own. If you've ever nursed or had a child hang on your leg, all of a sudden, even your physical body becomes an extension of what you're giving to that person. Ironically, I say that we're actually liberated in motherhood instead of limited to laugh and to be ourselves and that's one of the most I, I will stop right there being yourself as a mother is beautiful do you know that going to school growing up learning how to groom yourself taking a husband doing all these things you always feel like there's a certain etiquette and a way to be so that you're functioning in that context but with your children they just are you don't really have to be any of those things somehow. 
So laughing and being ourselves and guiding and caring in ways that make us special in the lives of these children, our children, they esteem us. They want to be with us. They need us and they accept us. In that world, really, all those other preoccupations and those worries and those and the anxiety that we have in other groups, somehow when you're home with your children, you don't experience those same things. You accept it there. We have freedoms in the arena of motherhood that we enjoy when we're allowed to govern in that world. And that word govern is important because I say here, God actually says, you tend your house. I get to do a lot of things that all of a sudden become joyous to me. There's a liberty. There's a, there's a work. There's planning. You know, there's responding. There's, there's guiding. There's establishing. I become the governor, so to speak, in my own home. There's a lot of freedom there, even if it's a different type of freedom. That self-sacrificing, ironically, then becomes the willing sacrifice. We love in such a way that causes us to naturally want to give to these new people. <laughs> and we take pleasure in seeing our recipients benefit from our giving. So the point I'm making here is that there is there's something that has come and it says, hey, mothering will take away. Maybe you should hold off. Maybe you shouldn't do it. Maybe you have less. Okay, whatever the case may be, it's diminishing that and saying, hey, there's other things going on that you could be involved in, that you could engage in, that could give you something. And what I found that the opposite happens in a new sphere of living okay, with new influences, there's actually a liberty. There's a joy. There's the confining, the sacrifice and all that. It actually becomes a thing I want and am fulfilled by as opposed to I am not fulfilled and it diminishes my existence. So note that the life of the mother brings into the world uh, is often the life, however, that she becomes burdened by when only she weighs it against other temptations. And I say temptations, but really we might say opportunities because it sounds more pleasant. But really, these are temptations that will lead us away from mothering well. Like what? Maybe I should begin to start asking the questions. What leads us away from mothering well? I have a job and I'm a mother. <laughs> that job. <laughs> Particularly when I want it and I don't have to go to it. But I still want to have career. I want to pursue extra education. I want to do whatever it is. I want to take a salsa class. And none of these things are bad in of themselves. Be mindful that I'm going to you know, make sure that we make that distinction. But if that's my regular tendency to move toward other things while I'm parenting, what will happen is that they be, it becomes a temptation. It becomes an opportunity. And these things move us away from experiencing that world in which God has given us to govern and to experience a new type of life. And we'll talk a little bit more about what that does for us. So let's debunk the notion that our lives are waiting moms to be lived out there. This is our career. 
I said last time we have tenure here. <laughs> we begin living life as who we are as mothers. It informs who we are to be in the world from this day forward. Your sensibilities are forever affected by your motherhood in a way that they may not have been affected outside of that. So this is where life begins anew. It's a new season that carries with you. Even parents who lose children have already developed those sensibilities and those outlooks and that love. And that too continues to inform who they are moving forward. So a woman knows that no one can really say in this experience where the giving ends, where the receiving starts. It's no wonder that we start looking around and we get confused when we're urged to go look for something better than that or higher than that, another vocation which will prove our personhood. But we want to really consider that, again, this, this experience is a calling first. God gives a command second. And then he gives us an experience. And there are outcomes and consequences to how we basically take the occupation which he's given us and how we're going to handle that. What kind of steward over the child or the children or the, the you know, my guardianship, what kind of steward am I going to be? Or am I going to allow the culture in which I live, the opportunities that present themselves to take away a moment in time? And I say a moment in time because while we do have tenure and any mom out there knows if they have older kids that you do continue into the seasons of your children's lives in some capacity, but you really only have a short period of time to lay the foundation that is really reflected in all that we're sort of talking about in terms of what parents have to do to raise children until they become people who in turn become mothers and fathers. So let's think about that. Let's think about this career. Let's think about this opportunity. Let's remind ourselves of what mothering is not. It's not unbearable. I said that last time. This is not an unbearable burden, even though I know and I've been told and I'm trying to be super sensitive about it. Everybody's not cut from the same cloth. I had a father tell me that recently to help me have some understanding about how mothers respond in family units. And I go, you're absolutely right. Not every mom was, you know, waiting to be one and played dolls when she was 12. Uh, not everybody has the same temperament. Exactly. Not everybody is as enthusiastic. Not everybody's experience was the same. But it's not an unbearable burden. It's not an imitation of mother images, perceived images, or the mothering trends. And the reason I brought this out is because I noticed that a lot of moms are getting their ideas from things like, and again, I'm not bashing, but let's be careful. They get their ideas about mothering through internet. They watch people from afar, not really understanding what the details are up close, and we make perceptions about what's happening. Uh, images, pictures, what you hear, what someone just happens to tell you, leaving out all kinds of you know details, all, lots of gaps. 
but we tend to sort of imitate what we're hearing and seeing. That's not mothering. It may help or it may hurt, but that inner discernment and knowledge of the child that you actually have is where I believe it begins. And I believe all in all honesty that God teaches you right at the table who you're to be in the, in the hours that you have to be. If we had none of these other things, what would a woman do? Well, they did it many years <laughs> without that. And so I'm convinced that God knows how to come into any mom, the saved and even the non-saved. He can come to any mom and give them a type of mind and a care and a sensibility. If she will sit tight and go through the motions, I believe that he is well aware that we need to be equipped to know how to then raise a child. Being a mother is not a dictation of one, two, threes. A dictation is what I'm saying. Like dictating, this is this, this is that. You've got like all kinds of little points and T's to cross and I's to dot and you just live your life that way every day. It's not a micromanaging of people <laughs> to their grown up years. It's not a machine like managing of life. Sometimes if a mom learns, hey, this is what I have to do. This is what I have to do. This is what I have to do. I've watched parents do it primarily, which is kind of weird. They do it with their infants <laughs> more so. And so that infant becomes treated sort of like a robot. They wake up at this time, they eat at this time, they, they've got this schedule and the, the nurses don't help. By the time they send you out of the hospital, you've got a whole routine of what this baby's life is supposed to be like. And there's not a flexibility and a bending that seems to be as evident as it could be. So it's not a dictation of one, two, threes, a micromanaging of people or machine-like managing of a little life. And it's not a peer relationship. We all know that sometimes we want to be our children's friends, sometimes to a fault. <laughs> sometimes if you balance it just right, you can create friendship <laughs> and motherhood. Um, but it's not a peer relationship. And I will say that I learned that first from my own mother. And I'm glad that she had a couple things to say early in my life because I never forgot them and it didn't take long as God will always have it for you to understand why she felt the way she felt now, those weren't exactly her words but that's what I got from it this is not a peer-to-peer -peer relationship there is a hierarchy <laughs> and there is an order and when we all function in our stations well it works well nobody's slighted and everybody is able to join and function as, as a family unit. So then what is mothering? Well, let's talk about just a few points on what it is. Mothering is an invitation to love. That's how I see it. In all its variety, in all of love's variety, in its evident expressions and in its secret expressions. And that I know full well, because I've had many opportunities to be just with my children, no one around. And there are lots of evident expressions of love, and there are lots of secret expressions that nobody didn't see and they never will see. They're gone. But those are the things that help me to raise that child, to love that child. Every detail seemed to matter throughout the day. What else is love? It's a mimicking of the nurturing and protecting attributes of God. 
we're not perfect at mimicking him. But if you notice, and last time I said, I notice that the gospel is actually in my motherhood, if I'm paying attention. <laughs> if I mimic his nurture for me, if I mimic, and you can't help but be the protector, they say that's for the God, but I beg, uh, for the God, <laughs> they, they say that's for the man, but I beg to differ. I think that mother hen sort of image comes to play. I was such a protector of my child, and many moms are. Um, but that nurturing and that mimicking, that's a part of what we are, what we do when we are looking to the care and the raising up of another human being that, by the way, is a reflection of who we are. This is a part of me. And without me having to explain it, I know intuitively, instinctively, that I must now come and care for and protect. What is mothering again? It's a balance of formality and informality. I say because again, you don't want to be two on one end of the spectrum with your strictness and your rules and your regulations, your your motherly, you know, insights into what ought to happen to the degree that it's so formal, it's restrictive of, you know, uh, what it, what the word might be? Uh, you, you, it's almost like having you know to use standard English when you're just sort of saying, "Hey, what's up, man?" You know, a high five is in order. <laughs> it's always got to be good evening. That's a little too far on that end, but it's also, you know, that informality. You don't want to go too far. So there's a balance there. It's also an expression of transparency. At the same time a bit of mystery. So as parents, we want to be able to show who we are to our children. And that's one thing I, I think I mentioned sort of slightly. I appreciate that about my mother. She is transparent in some ways, but in some ways growing up, she was still a mystery. So that she maintains that motherly positioning with the mystery. The transparency allows me to learn about who she is as a person. And so I always, I actually really enjoy that balance. People who are able to maintain both, it's a perfect balance. You don't want to be too transparent. You don't want to be too much of a mystery. But a really good balance of that formality and informality and that transparency and mystery, I think, makes for a wonderful parent in general. Last couple of points. Motherhood is growing in discernment and applying wisdom for living. Now, what I did notice going through this is that there's so much we could say about motherhood, and maybe we'll get an opportunity to go to the details. I had someone comment on preachers and churches and how uh, I think the person appreciates the preachers who can then give them things like five points for living, give you an example of what you do at the gas station, what happened at work, and they, they love to see the scriptures mixed in with the little details that sort of they experience in their everyday life. So when the preacher actually gives you know, just scripture or teaching a scripture or references thing, but they don't really go down that road. They're not being really funny. They're not doing all these wonderful things that tickle our ears and draw us in and make us laugh and make us stand up and amen. You know, they're not really doing that. Then people aren't as drawn in. <laughs> they want to be entertained in a sense, if we're really honest. So when I was putting notes together and I said to myself, well, there's so much we could say. We could do, you know, we could talk about, things and, and try to match them up with what you're experiencing. 
But what I finally said was, you know, anything that said, we want to take that and slow down and allow God to say, no, what truth is there? And then how do you apply it? Because if we apply it to every little detail and scenario of everybody's life, we have a whole list of things and be here, you know, for days and days. So I hope in talking about this, when I say, for instance, transparency and mystery or mimicking the nurturing and protecting attributes of God, if I give tons of examples and we can do that, that would be great. But think about now as we move to some questioning soon, just is this evident? We're talking about now, you know, what, what it is not. You could ask yourself, is it a burden for me? Oh, am I micromanaging? You know, you can ask yourself those questions. And there is a time for that. But I think, in all honesty, sometimes we don't need to be tickled. We need to take the truth that God has given us and say, now that you've given me that truth, where does it apply in my experience? But I will have some questions for us to answer in just a bit. What else is mothering? Uh, Again, that discernment that we pray for, being able to sort of discern what's going on. Who is my child? What's happening here? How do I view this scenario? What am I looking at? Who is this personality? God, how do I respond to it? And then applying the wisdom that God gives you to live day to day to day. Let me say it again. Today, 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 and then the next day and the next day. And Sunday, you might get a break and not cook. And then Monday starts over again. And the next day and the next day. You need wisdom regularly. And so you're constantly discerning something and you're growing in that process. As a mother, if you hand your child over too often to somebody else, I dare say you will lack in some of the discernment that I think God intended for you to have for these people that he has given to you. And your application of wisdom will not be regular ongoing application because you are now, and I'm going to comment a little bit about that in a, in a moment. What else is it? A mother is a mature person, uh, I'm sorry, a mature response to a growing person. A mature responder, I should say, to a growing person, but mothering is that response to a growing person. And so your ability to respond literally to the child in, in, in a variety of contexts puts you in the position of mothering. To reject, to respond, would probably take you out of that position. And lastly, when I asked the question, so mothering is what then? My favorite one is, it's an evidence of answers to children's questions like, so imagine if children came up and they wanted to know what's nurturing. I feel like a child could turn around and maybe get an image or a recollection or something like that of what their mother has done to nurture them. So mothering can be evidenced in the answers to questions like, what is nurturing? We'll get a, get a vision of a mother. What is patience? Get a vision of a mother. What is beauty? Get a vision of mothering. What is discipline? Well, what does that look like from my mother? What is seriousness? What does that look like on the face and in the voice of my mother? 
What is a good attitude? Is that reflected in that motherhood? What is caring? We all know. Can I see that when I think of my mother? What is provision? Do you get a vision of that through your mother? What is hope? Does your mother exemplify hope? What is friendship? Is there a simplification of friendship? This is one of my favorites. What is presence? When I would come home for lunch many years ago and in many other uh, you know, moments in my life, but sometimes it was just that she was there and I just liked it. And then I would mosey on back. <laughs> what is family? That ought to be exemplified in something that's going on with the mother. What is balance? A balance in life, a balance in a lot of things. Are things balanced? Is she creating that in the atmosphere? What is forgiveness? That also can be seen in the response of a mother. And finally, what is love? When I think of my mother, do I think of love? Or in many instances, many people don't think of that. They quickly go to, I don't feel like she did, and they tell you why. Children can see the answers to questions like these and their experience with their mother. So let me just remind us that you're privileged if you're walking in motherhood, contemplating motherhood, have been in motherhood. You're not burdened. There is work, which you might call a burden, but you've been given a privilege. Remember Hannah? She didn't have that privilege. And then when she wanted it, she was mocked by the women who had it. God had mercy and was gracious enough to give her that. But at first, that was not so. Have you considered your tenure on this track of motherhood a way to be a part of the father's way of making you what he wants you to be, moms? (laughs) Dads, are you looking at the women in your life, your sister? your mother, your cousin? Are you looking at them like that when they're going through their motherhood? This is an avenue through which he is bringing them to himself. This is a possibility. Can you treat them as if this is what they're going through? He wants you to also, he wants you to be as he is. So he's conforming us constantly into his image and he can do this through motherhood. Motherhood. He provides an opportunity for you to partake in influencing another human being for his purposes. That's another thing. I have a child, but maybe it's not all about me. This person will raise up one day at God-given time. Where is my part in that? This is for his purpose. There's a scripture that says, behold, the children are the heritage of the Lord. From the Lord, excuse me, the fruit of the womb is his reward. Now, I know that we always look at that scripture The fruit of the womb is his reward, as if it's our reward. But just for a sake, and I don't mean to step too far across the line, but sometimes I say, Lord, the fruit of the womb is a reward, but it's also yours at the end of the day. At the end of the day, the fruit of this womb is given back to you, much like Hannah gave Samuel back to you. Motherhood is a responsibility, yes, and As you equip yourself for many other of life's callings and responsibilities, as you learn to adapt, to perform, to task in a way those tasks require you to perform, like so, a mother can quickly learn how to do, 
to be, to respond, and to give, to think as it is fitting as the task of mothering uh, will require. If she will focus herself on the responsibility with some gladness, be optimistic, <laughs> be simplistic, and avoid uh, you know, digesting too many outside you know, voices, take a moment and just be encouraged in the space in which you find yourself. Strength of mind and of character. Give yourself an opportunity to allow your responsibility to not overwhelm you, but allow God to then equip you. You don't have to have it all together six months ahead of time, like people buying baby bonnets and diapers and everything and stacking them up, <laughs> you know, like the baby's going to use them all first day at home. God will give you day to day to day to day to learn the responsibility. And instead of it being overwhelming, he can strengthen your muscle. He can give you boots to wear. He can wake you up. <laughs> okay. It's work, but he already knew that you could do it. And he blessed you with the opportunity. So with some gladness and some optimism, keeping it simple, that responsibility can actually be a warmth and a welcome. Motherhood enlightens us to our understanding of loving discipline. There are different types of ways to discipline, but one admonishment is to keep a calm, matter-of-fact, and loving manner, okay? And that's much more likely to work in your discipline efforts than that stern, sort of overwhelming, you know, manner um, that sort of forces coerces, okay? You want to inspire your children to obey. Inspire them to be willing to listen. So motherhood does enlighten our understanding of loving discipline if we will take it slowly and walk it through. There is a scripture that says pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. One way we discipline is with our mouths. And one of the ways which we can really tear down is with our mouths. We know that. So I encourage any mother out there, aunt, uncle, anybody <laughs> over a child's ear to let's practice the present word. Uh, we yell, we respond, we react very quickly. We sound frustrated. We don't take time to think it through. And some people I think actually think that if you talk to your child in a kind like way and a pleasant and a soft voice and you sort of assume a command in a way that's calmer, that you're pretending like this is leave it to beaver. And I go, that's not true. <laughs> okay, maybe those images have some sort of, you know, they, they, they are, there's a place for them outside of that realm, but you can do that too. And I, I remember, I think it was my brother or somebody that actually heard me discipline one of my children when they were really young one time and they just looked at me and said, I, and I'm sort of paraphrasing like, are you serious? <laughs> Because I think it just sounded like it was too light. But what I did know is that I had, when they were younger, a type of command that didn't really require me to go overboard half the time. And so that's what they got used to. And to step outside of that and then just yell at them to make it sound like I needed to sort of really get them to do what I wanted them to do was not necessary. And it may be a testament to the fact that, unlike myself, they're the calmer of all of us. They have a much more calmer way of handling most everything. And I don't give myself credit for that, but I say, God, I thank you that you showed me in that particular moment in time how to use pleasant words and to raise them. 
uh, motherhood calls us to affection, expressing love and hugs, physical warmth, tenderness, greatly contributes to the child's later comprehension of God's refuge, his strength, and his helper. So again, you're exhibiting attributes of God when you show affection to your child. Motherhood calls us to pray. The Bible says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Who knows that more than when you're mothering and praying for the needs of your children, the behavior of your children, the attitudes of your children, the provision of your, all of that, that fervent prayer. So motherhood can be a beautiful call to pray. And may I say, don't stop praying. One of the benefits of my life, probably why I'm, I'm saved today is because my mother prays till today. Motherhood makes love possible. Love attracts. And if the aim of us is to teach our children to love God, then why don't we show that love for one another? The Bible says, this is my commandment, that you love one another, that your joy may be full. So as I come on down to the questions, I know it's getting late. I want to admonish you and say, you know, let's mother with all our hearts, like Elizabeth Elliot said. Let's do it gladly. Let's do it simply. Let's be humble. And let me point out a couple of uh, quick points here. And again, I have some questions as we close out and it give us all an opportunity to sort of contemplate where we are in motherhood. And even if you're not a mother, I want you to think about those people who are around you. How can you encourage them? If you have an answer to one of the questions and you say, I think this would you know, be the answer for this person, if it's not even for me, then how can you go back and sort of support and undergird their efforts? But before we do that, I'm quickly going to say there are two platforms of motherhood that I want us to consider. We have young moms, and so they're dealing with motherhood in one way. But then we have moms whose children are older, and we can look at motherhood in another way. And the first platform would be the platform of practicality. The second platform is actually the platform of sanctification. So three points under being practical. Let's observe the lives you've been given and learn to respond appropriately so that children are guided in learning to what? Love, guide our children in learning to give, guide them in learning to receive, to obey, to be civil in the land in which we live, to be responsible, to be respectful, which by the way is waning. That, that respectful tone is diminishing. Let's be more intentional about teaching them that. To be thankful, to be honest, and then to know God and to fear him. To live a life that can affect others for good. So observe the children that you have in your life. And in observing, respond appropriately so that you can teach them these things. Protect your children. Protect them in a variety of ways, in the, variety, the various aspects of life, so that they will learn the importance of protections that are for their physical well-being and that keep them from harm, and make them wise about the environment and the influences around them. As well, we want to learn how to protect their emotional well-being and guide them away from emotional spoiling, I call it. <laughs> so I'm not thinking of mental health right now. I'm thinking about that emotional part of the child um, and we really want to protect them I say protect them because if you 
if you don't look at this as a protection, you're going to, I feel like this sort of lets them go all off in so many directions. So think about the rage that your children may have and learning how to respond wisely to helping to contain rage, selfishness, fits, disregard for others, disobedience, overindulgence, and other forms of poor emotional health and balance. We see this often rising up in the youngster after they're cute and cuddly. <laughs> the next phase is, well, let's teach them how to live. And this is a, a type of protection. If you leave it unaddressed, unattended to, it often can worsen. And then it may affect the internal and the relational well-being in the child's years to come. Be present, lastly, and engaged. Be present and be engaged. Don't give your responsibility over to everybody else. Down to the minutest details, such as playing with your child, figuring out things with your child, teach instructor to your child. It's not your teacher's child. Let me just say that now that I've been one. <laughs> but showing leniency in the midst of that being an example of fortitude, but also confessing your own need for help, encouraging productivity in the child, but also making room for rest, being kind to our children, but also inviting honor from them. So be present and engage. And I think the more present you are and the more engaged you are, God just naturally gives you day-to-day -day opportunities to have these issues come up, to have these sort of scenarios come up to have conversation coming up so that you can, again, create a healthy balance. And then in terms of sanctification, let's think about what happens in the process of shaping our children. The process of shaping the child, it also shapes then the mother herself. Reverence for her sacred burden calls her to all that is pure so that she may teach primarily by her own humble and daily example. So the process of shaping that child is actually meant to be a shaping for the mother. The process of shaping a child also provides regular opportunity for contemplation of what? Scriptures or truths. Even the mom who doesn't know much scripture, if she knows any truth, the minute you begin the process of shaping and guiding and rearing somebody else, all of a sudden, you begin to contemplate the truths that you do know, the things that you seek to apply in your own life. And then you look at how am I applying those truths and what I'm saying and doing and being in the lives of these children. You ever try to tell your child something and then not think about whether or not you listen to that, that advice? You say something, you require something, and all of a sudden, the mirror just rises up from the ground and stands in right in front of you. So in the process of shaping a child, look at what we have an opportunity to have. Woo, God can show us lots of things. He can sanctify and purify us even better. As we're in the process, notice, the process of shaping our children reminds us of our dependency on God and the process involved in the short and the long-term experience of motherhood reminds us that the Lord will return 
again. And that we have to give an account. And I know this seems like something that oh, is away from motherhood, but somehow it just stood out for me. And I was looking, the scripture says in Corinthians, wherefore we labor that, whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him, meaning God, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. And I say to myself, well, Lord, we don't usually use that scripture in this context, but it, I kept thinking about it and I decided, I'm sorry, the, the life I live before these people, my first life, <laughs> my attitudes, my, who I am, it, you know, even in light of the fact that I know salvation is a part of this conversation, am I going to be looked at in terms of, you know, uh, my doings? the good or the bad in my own home. And so it's a sobering scripture just for us as Christians in light of the return of Christ. But I hope it'll be also a sobering scripture that we will stand before him. And as you know, daunting as that is for me, I do need to be reminded that I will have to give some sort of account and where will my family, my children be in that accounting. So as we close out tonight, I just want to ask a few questions to give us a chance to contemplate. Motherhood is an awesome thing. And I didn't lay out a bunch of to-dos or don't-dos or examples on, you know, different scenarios. Didn't do that tonight again. But um, let's ask ourselves some questions. Like, what do you love most about this calling, this occupation in which you find yourself day in and day out? What, what are some of the most wonderful things you find about motherhood and you may if you want to share pop that into the chat and just write it out you can answer any of the questions that you hear or you don't have to but it will give us something to think about uh what do you love most and what what about where am i falling prey to disliking the mothering experience that's a real thing many women find themselves as mothers but they're not as excited. Sometimes the early days are most difficult for them, or maybe sometimes the toddler years are most difficult for them, or most sometimes maybe the teen years are most difficult for them. Where are you, or where are we falling prey to, you know, getting into that place where I dislike this career? Where am I easily discouraged, if so, in my mothering? or in the child rearing experience. Am I getting discouraged? Have I been discouraged? Am I instilling values that my children you know, need toward godliness? Or am I instilling values that influence my children toward worldliness primarily? So are the values that I set forth before my children those that steer them toward godliness or do I find maybe they actually steer them toward worldliness and that's a conversation to have godliness versus worldliness but basically what that means is am I steering them in the ways that are pleasing in the sight of the Lord based on the truths that I do know is this am I steering them down that avenue or do I find myself being okay with them going down the roads that I know lead them away from him but that the world embraces 
And that's a temptation for all of us. Am I an example of the values that I want to instill in those children? So while I'm steering and, and guiding and saying and pointing, am I myself a good example of the values that I would prefer they have? And if I'm not, in what ways can I be better? What have I not considered in my responsibility for raising a child? Maybe there's just some things that you want to just put down there and say, you know what, I haven't really thought about that. Or I've thought about it, but I really haven't contemplated long enough. There's some things I want to add to my list in this arena of mother. There's some things I want to be or want to do. What are some things I just haven't really considered? The last couple, do I make concessions or compromises regarding my children that I know are harmful? Now, that's a question. And again, I don't mean to, for it to all be negative sounding. But let's ask ourselves some of the things. Sometimes if we can <clears throat> ask ourselves, what am I doing that I should not do? You know, the answer to that could be leading us to something I should do. Am I making concessions? And I think we all ask that question. I know they're harmful, but I know they're harmful, but, and I tell you what, one reason I chose not to sort of pull out too many examples today, Phyllis, is because I said, well, sometimes we accidentally sound like we're judging one another harshly, but I understand lots of things. So I decided you fill in the blank in your own mm. life. Am I making any compromises, even though I know they're harmful? And if so, why am I doing that? Why, why do I do that? And then how can I change? And finally, what do I think God is teaching me about myself as a mother? So after I come away from answering questions about how I'm doing with my children, my influence of my children, how I'm teaching my children, what is God then teaching me about who I am? If you have a child and they're about 18 or so, you're, you're not done. You can kind of look back and go, what have I learned? And now what do I have to learn to go through the next season? Because as a mom who has a child, you know, three of them over 18, you're just moving into the next season. <laughs> you're not done at all. So these are some questions I wanted us to answer. And if you like them, maybe I can share them again. But as we close out tonight, I wanted to sort of highlight <clears throat> something from a book that I uh, have been reading. It's called, you're and so you're teaching my child what? And it's about a lot of the things that are going on in the public schools that are uh, allowed to teach our children about different value systems. And, you know, one of the things that came up is that, uh, you know, people would like our children to basically develop their own values, not blindly accept the values that come from their communities. Um, emphasizing wisdom they'll gain through being open-mindedness and being tolerant, um, being wide awake, and I'm quoting, and open to multiple perspectives that make the familiar strange and the strange familiar. While these words may not sound very alarming on the page, when you start to dissect them and understand what categories of movements fall underneath them, what they're saying is, hey, we want to be able to teach your kids what we think are good. And I ask you as a mother, is that what you're going to allow? Can we not come in and say, this is where I am. This is where I stand. This is what God has given me. 
I have a responsibility and it's an awesome glad one to actually impact a life or more. What do I do with my motherliness? Will I embrace this for the rest of my life? Or will I hand it over to somebody for whatever the reason? I encourage you. Love God. Ask him to show you what do I do in the state in which I find myself? And how can I enjoy this beautiful calling? So tonight, again, there was a lot said, and I apologize. If I had to do it again, I would condense that halfway down. <laughs> but there's a lot going on here, and God has given us this opportunity. And I just want us to kind of contemplate who we are and how God has made us who we are in light of our motherhood. Phyllis? I am so with you. And I I smiled when you said if I had to do it again, I'd cut it down. I'm not sure that we would be um, as as blessed if it were condensed further. Uh, lots and lots and lots to consider. And the questions I think I will try to um, post at the site when I upload the message. It's one that I will listen to over and over again as I did the last one. I thank you so much for the energy and the time that you put into it. And because you brought out so many amazing insights regarding things that I have contemplated as, as I've raised my own children and experienced, I think that uh, we could really have a uh, a meeting and, and a real very deep and interesting discussion and prayer and come to probably a spirit revealed continual process by which through which we continue to influence our children because what you said is that once we accept this career it is like we also get tenure we never ever stop being the parent and it has been it has been just so chalked. Again, I have pages of notes here. I can't write fast enough. It isn't even though I know it's recorded. I can go back. It's my habit to take notes, and I want to get it all down. But I shall listen and pick up what I don't miss. This, my lady, could be a real book. As you were talking, right? I was really um, thinking about great mothers, and I don't know that any. Mothers who are successful with their children in terms of what the world calls success may not be the greatest of mothers in terms of what God calls success. Um, and, and I know that we have some really great mothers on the line. Like I said, my, um, my sister was my balance with, because I'm very serious of mind and heart. I look straight into the issues, and I'm always trying to correct those. And um, I have a sister who is lighthearted, soft-spoken, beautiful, in her own way, very much able to play. I could play, right, but not when things look real serious. So God gives us help, and he brings a lot of um, attention to yourself. I love that. That self-assessment, that's where I live. And as we are raising these children, you know, a lot is happening uh, in us. I love that part of it, Anna. That's just another, we could just 
pull that one out. That could be a lift out of what you've presented. And we could spend so much more time on that. And and uh, so we're going to talk, you and I, if you don't mind, about uh, these lift outs from what you have given us in this over, these overviews. We have had two. Before we get uh, say goodnight, I want to read the comments that were left because, of course, you asked some questions and we had some answers come. The first uh, question you asked was, um, uh, what do you enjoy? Or, or one of the first questions most. Mm-hmm. What do you enjoy most? Yes. And we had a response from Erica who says, watching my person grow up into this independent person. Isn't that a great answer? Because I didn't ever want mine to grow up. And here somebody has enjoyed watching them become an independent person. I happen to know this, this young lady and her child is one of the most pleasant children that I have ever known. But that family is pleasant. They have the same attributes. They're very calm and uh, very uh, embracing of others. I love that. And that that is, over the years I've watched, and I know that that's a, a, a trait of that little group of, that little family group. They're just that way. And um, I commented and dealt you know, excellent response. You've done a great job with your young adult. She's getting ready to go off to college now. And that's just something very, very wonderful. In fact, I remember when her mother went off to college, I was there, we took her. And um, mom, <laughs> she was so um, attached to home that she didn't stay away uh, for the whole year. She didn't live away from home. And I, I, I'm kind of wondering about um, Ariana, if she will enjoy being away from that that simple, sweet, kind um, environment that she's grown in. It's a lovely thing. And then we had a comment, a very good show. As a mother, I tried, but looking back, I find I have fallen so short. Oh, Lord, forgive. And isn't that just, I mean, I think that if we are all honest, we look back and we do have those regrets. So I write in response that I too have fallen so short and I ask God daily to have mercy on my children for those things which I did not understand. I was so unaware of, of, you know, so, so much now that I look back on it. But I also remember praying when I was raising my children if uh, for the Lord to fill in where I uh, did not know what to do. And I think, I believe, I see that uh, to a great degree he has done that. I'll never forget one day looking out over the backyard in the direction of the, of the school that, that Anna Kane attended as in, in middle school. We had moved to this crazy place and very different, very different from, from where I had been educated and where she had gone to school. And I was really petrified because around us there was, uh, you know, the neighborhoods were not well kept and there was drugs. We were buying a house and we thought that we had done a right thing, but I really was petrified. And I looked out over that and I prayed with a, a fervency that I shall never forget. I still feel that moment. 
that God would take care and that he would keep her from the harm and the temptations of that that infested world that I had seen. Uh, I had never seen it like that before. And I, I'm so grateful that he did. He really did. Um, but they didn't all escape. And that's something that, that I have to live with. Uh, Reams writes, very thoughtful study presentation, worthy of listening again and again. Great nuggets. Thank you. It's such a privilege to be blessed with motherhood. I thank God for a godly mother, however stern as seen through a child's eyes. <laughs> LOL, she writes, I remember not feeling love because she was so strict. However, I get it. And as an adult, I am thankful for her. Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> you want to comment, um, Anna? Oh, it's, it's, I was just talking with somebody who actually lost their mother. Mm -hmm. And I think that was the one thing he said was that he understood now why mm -hmm. she did something. And we were talking about love languages of all things, learning each other's love language. And mm -hmm. one of the things that people have is acts of service as opposed to the ones who have words of affirmation and all. And if all that means something, mm -hmm. right, only God knows to what degree it does. Yeah. And there are people who try to love in that way, but it's not as understood as a child. But he was just saying, I understand it now. Mm -hmm. and it, you know, it's a, it's a thing. We're not perfect, right? Mm -hmm. But in that person, you, you try to give out of what you know in love. And so with all we say, um, you still have to be who you are and, and depend on God to sort of translate that to love to your yeah. spirit. So it's, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, too, um, so I, I, I was in a, you know, I was a director of a program. And so I got to talk to many, many, many children and uh, hear their comments about their moms their mothers, right? They didn't talk negative about those dads, but they came in there and gave me an earful about their mothers. And I think what part of that is because those mothers were in there when dad was not, you know. And so they had to get the the uh, difficult messages from mothers. And uh, I always encouraged them to understand. So moms, hang in there, right? We are with these children many times when the father is not. And I was just reading up on Susanna Wesley, who's kind of, when I think of great mothers, I think of my own first. I do, I do. But uh, the story of Susanna's, who is probably like my mother's a lot um, in, in many ways, in, in just a sheer number of children she had to oversee. And my friend Fadine, you know, and those large families where mothers were just, they were in there with a bunch of folk. <laughs> That's a lot of, and all those teenagers at one time, you wonder how sanity prevails, but somehow God gets the mother through. However, um, <clears throat> that harshness that we sometimes think is happening is, it may be coming off of a little bit of frustration and fatigue and a whole lot of other things, but um it's nonetheless uh, the discipline that we need. What we don't realize as young people is that the discipline is shaping you for life and that uh, the restrictions are keeping us from harm, hurt, and danger. However, still in all, all mothers are not wonderful. They really are not. And so a child has to navigate what what is missing in order to really and truly um, 
manage their own sanity. Uh, some 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 uh, children have been raised very harshly, and they pass that on. And um, so that's another discussion, and we shall indeed attempt uh, to bring some uh, relief and some understanding uh, to that as we continue this this series. I want to say too, Anna, you you did mention tonight, and last time you mentioned that the father really also has an opportunity as the mother. I'm so glad you are just list, listed that out tonight. In in our parenting roles, we are endowed by the Spirit of God to ourselves grow and mature. I often tell my oldest child that she is the child of my adulthood. In other words, God jumped, he, he, he kicked me into maturity. I had to begin to understand many things having my first child. And the Lord was there and he guided me towards my own understanding of him and how to live. And it, because I desired it for my child. So this has been really, really good. Again, we go over a little bit. Don't mean to be so long at the fair, but it is a worthy talk. And uh, with that, I thank God for bringing you Anna Kane, And we shall uh, uh, convene again because I think we still have something to say about uh, motherhood, maybe not so much as the parenting of children in general. So, Anna, with that, I pray that the Lord will recompense you and pour into you uh, more and more, and that perhaps these uh, uh, these will become a booklet, maybe, or a study guide, and maybe the Lord will use it to help many other young mothers. We didn't talk about single moms. We didn't talk about moms who have been uh, left with, you know, by father. There's so much to talk about in terms of motherhood and fatherhood. We are mothers, so we can talk best about that. Um, so the Lord meant, oh yeah, I can go into the checkout, <laughs> how men can check out, and then they fault the mothers sometimes, or how uh, men can use Oh, it's just there's so much to get into. There is is a sick world. And when we trend with the world, we experience the sickness, you know. And so the Lord is good. He gets us through it. Father, we give you thanks and praise for all that you've given us tonight. I ask that you would, God, shower on a king with many blessings and insights so that once again, Father, we'll be able to have this discussion in the time that you appoint. Also, for every listener, Father, our experiences as uh, children being raised and as uh, parents raising children have been varied and different. And we need the healing that it may have come as a result of that. And even when it's been really good, Father, we are so uniquely made and no mother or father can know the ins and outs of a child's brain. And so mistakes are made and we, we don't mean to sometimes, but we do make them. We're asking for healing in the name of Jesus Christ, healing in our very soul and then turning on 
our spirit through salvation as we accept you as the one who is given God the very life, that sacrifice that we could be born again. I love it. Hallelujah. Born again. So no matter the mistakes of the earthly parent, you now become the divine parent. We start again in your arms being nurtured by you. Coming up one more time, Father, thank you for the second chance. God, we thank you in the name of Jesus Christ and continue to raise us up. As Anna said, we are being sanctified as we understand our role as parents. We are being sanctified as we come and are born again in your life and live in your kingdom. For all these wonderful, rich blessings that you've given us, we give you thanks and praise tonight. And if all is said and done, Anna, you have any last words? Despite ourselves, the Lord gives us opportunity. It is a privilege, and I just wanted to highlight that more so than the details. And if we are talking again, we will make sure that that's a conversation and not an overview. So we'll, we'll be able to just talk back and forth. Amen. And that, you know, when we, we even, even when the messages are those that give us pause and we need to contemplate, go back. And I, I've, I've just remembered so much of myself as a parent, right? And just saying, Lord, forgive, right? We still have dined well. When the Lord makes us aware of ourselves, that is even a good dinner. Maybe it wasn't a lot of lightweight delectables. Maybe it was really a beef, you know, what you call it? A st- uh, roast beef there, a little heavier meal with potatoes, etc. But it has been good and we can rejoice and give him praise because ultimately the final work is being done in us so that we do indeed finish the course and inherit the eternity that we want. God, we thank you. And we go forth rejoicing as always with lively hearts, knowing that you, Lord, have loved us and you will never let us go. I love you, Father. And we love you, Father. And with that, my friends, have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day, wherever you are. Sleep well, Tony. It's late. Thank you, Anna King. We look forward to you coming again. Good night, all. Good day, all.